is your first time tuning in, welcome. I'm so glad that you chose Own Your Ish to listen to and to help kind of navigate some journeys. Um, as we get started today, I am on a learning journey to unpack and learn more about um, some depression that I've been going through. And I like to just be as vulnerable and transparent as I can. Um, and as I've been digging into what depression is and where it stems from, something that really kind of jumped out at me in the last um, last little bit of, I don't know, last little bit of August and in, into September a little bit, I've really been diving into what perfectionism looks like through, de through depression. And um, I will say I am a perfectionist through and through. There's really no way to get around that. Um, but you know, here we are. And so something that really kind of gave me a gut check, uh, is this list that I came across and it is the 10 characteristics of perfectly hidden depression. And I will tell you, after I read through this list, it made me reflect back a lot on my childhood, on what I went through as a kid and what it was like to grow up in a small town where I didn't fit in. I didn't have many friends. Um, I was the doer. Um, oftentimes you would hear people say, you know, don't worry about it. You know, Cynthia can get it done. Um, or they would have said Cindy cause they called me Cindy as a kid. Um, which is why if anyone knows me now, you know why I hate to be called Cindy. <laughs> it's cause, um, it doesn't, that, that name doesn't really bring back a lot of great memories from a time in my life that just, uh, I, I did not like growing up in my hometown. Um, never, it just didn't fit me. It wasn't there. I didn't fit in and I'm not, you know, we weren't wealthy. We didn't have a lot of money. Um, we, we had what we needed and that was good enough for us, but uh, not good enough for the community. So, um, my hometown definitely has a very bittersweet place in my heart, but as I took a look at this list of the 10 characteristics, um, it really made me reflect on the fact that I, I think I've been de dealing and battling depression for much longer than I had originally thought. Um, I kind of felt like depression really hit hard after I resigned from my job as principal. But as I read through this list, I'm like, oh, that explains why I was feeling some type of way growing up. Um, and so I think we oftentimes don't um, associate depression with kids because they are by and large kind of a pretty happy group. Um, but it happens. And I think the more that we know about it, the easier it is to, um, see and the easier it is to talk about, right? We normalize these conversations and the easier it is for kids to be able to speak up and get the help they need much earlier. Because I think about the fact that had I known about this, had my family known about this, um, I know wholeheartedly if my mother knew about it, um, and my dad too, that they, they would have gotten me help. I, I don't doubt that in a second. Um, we just didn't know what it was. And I will say that as a perfectionist, um, something that I do to make sure that I continue to look perfect is to not say what I'm going through, right? Like just suck it up, push it down and just keep going. There were a lot of people that relied on me. Um, and some of that was self-imposed and some of it was external, but I, you know, again, not knowing how to set boundaries, so on and so forth as a kid, you know, here we are today. So I wanted to share this list with you, um, to kind of let you know that it's okay. It's okay to be like this. It's okay to have issues with depression. It's okay to be battling it. Um, what's not okay is to not talk about it, right? 
We want to be out front. We want to be honest so that we can get the help that we need. And if you are dealing with depression or if you are, you know, battling with, with even being able to get yourself above board and not sink into your depression to let it eat you whole, please, 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 please seek out help. Please go to a professional um, and get the help that you need because it is it is one of the bravest and most important things that you can do for yourself. So I'm going to just go ahead and dive in and kind of explain a little bit about each of these um, items on this list. So um, this comes from Dr. Martha, uh, sorry, Dr. Margaret Rutherford, and it's the 10 characteristics of perfectly hidden depression. And the first one, it is you're, you're perfectionistic and have a constant critical and shaming inner voice. And reading that first one, I tell you about took my breath away. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, that's me. Um, and I can definitely tell when it becomes harder to navigate positive self-talk, um, that I'm having a flare up, right. That I need to kind of address that depression because self, the, the constant critical and shaming inner voice, um, kind of gets much louder and much bigger and (laughs) speaks up much more frequently, um, when I'm sinking into a, a depressive state. Uh, the second item on the list is you demonstrate a heightened or excessive sense of responsibility. And this for me has been my entire life. I felt like it was my responsibility to take care of others. Uh, and again, some of it self-imposed and some of it was external, right? Like I did have the responsibility of watching my little sister, um, after school. I did that for, for many years as my mom and dad both worked and, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with siblings helping out with each other. Um, I think what happened for me though, is I took on, um, internally in kind of, I internalized that responsibility as an expectation. And that's, I think the first earliest signs of me tying my productivity and what I'm doing to my worth. Right. Um, and I will speak on that on another episode. Um, I was going to do both, uh, perfectionism and also tying our productivity to our worth. Um, but there's a lot more that I need to unpack with that. So we will definitely talk about that in a future episode, but, um, you know, that heightened or excessive sense of responsibility, um, we see this with perfectionists. Like I'm the only one that can do it. Uh, if I don't do it, no one else is, or if I don't do it, someone else is going to do it, but they're not going to do it right. And, um, I will say as a leader, as a principal, that was really tough to kind of pack away that, that sense of, I have to do everything. Um, it was hard to delegate, but the more that I did it, the more that I became comfortable with that, the easier it became and the happier my team was right. Like when everyone has a part to play, uh, that's good because you don't have to do it all by yourself. And that's both family and at work, right? At our house, we share responsibilities. I work from home, but I work and Cecil leaves the house and he works. So, you know, we both understand that although I am a work at home mom, uh, for Alan, when she's here, um, we share responsibilities because we fully understand that working from home doesn't mean that I have all the time in the world to do laundry and dishes because that takes away from my time. So things that, that you can work on for number two, and those are just my personal examples, not saying it works for everybody, but that's what works for us. So the third item on the list is you detach from painful emotions by staying in your head and actively shutting them off. 
Um, this one worried me the most, um, personally, because of the fact that I have been in some pretty heavy emotional things as of late, and I just don't have that big sense of emotional connection anymore. And it used to be that it was easiest for me, right? I'm an, I'm an empath through and through. Um, so I can feel people's emotions, but I have gotten to the point where I just kind of actively shut everything off. Right. And we just go through, cause as a perfectionist, we can't let that show. And that definitely was me, my entire childhood. Um, and again, it was no fault of anyone. Um, but I will say that growing up where I did, um, there was definitely this sense of you either were or were not a part of the group. And if you weren't, I mean, forget it. You just, there wasn't much going to happen for you. So, um, and for me as someone who kind of floated between a lot of different groups, it never really fit in. And so like I did never really felt safe to kind of express a lot of emotions that I was going through. So I just kind of shut it all down. Right. Um, I, I do this in relationships. And so, um, because as soon as I start to kind of detach from somebody, or as soon as I know that it's a relationship that I, that's not going to work for me, I just, you know, I can feel those painful emotions coming. And so I just shut it down, right? I turn off my heart. And that's what I used to tell people. It's like, once I turn off my heart to you, I'm, I'm done. Um, but what that was is me not wanting to deal with the emotions. I just push that down. Um, and I can tell you that, uh, that forced me to have a lot of baggage and I've had to unpack a lot and I'm still unpacking. And fortunately I have an incredibly supportive partner that helps me to not detach from my painful emotions, but to actually dive into them more to find out where they're coming from and to process through them. Um, so folks out there, like get, get yourself a partner who understands <laughs> what emotions are like, uh, because if you are a perfectionist, you're going to need somebody to, to help you kind of start to process and heal from probably years, decades, if not a lifetime of hurt, harm, and trauma caused by our own perfectionism. Um, and depression too, right? Like, cause depression definitely takes a toll on you. And so as we look at the item number four, you worry and need to control yourself and your environment. Um, yeah. And I think that ties into number two about the sense of responsibility, um, because it's me, I have to control it. If, if there are things in my life that I don't have control over, I spiral very quickly. Um, I will say being a principal made that worse. <laughs> um, because you know, when, when you can see things happening that don't need to happen or they need to change and how quickly they need to change, like I just want to control all of that and, and say, this is what we're going to do. Um, but unfortunately we don't always have control in the way that we need. And so that makes it very difficult. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that, that, that need to control and needing to always be in control of myself. Right. And again, I think that ties back to detaching from the emotions, um, not allowing yourself to really just feel, um, because I have to be in control. Like I can't, I can't be sad. I can't be mad. I can't be angry. Um, cause that's just not allowed. We just can't do that. Um, and I will say as someone who is also overweight, um, and I have been my whole life, like it is ridiculous how often, uh, people who are overweight or, you know, have a 
you know, might struggle with their weight as society determines them to be, you know, almost undesirable. Um, you are allowed to be kind of just one emotion, right? You are the, you're the duff, you're the designated ugly fat friend, right? Like that's definitely how I felt, um, and how others made me feel. And I was never allowed to be anything other than happy, right? Like you got to keep yourself in, in check. You got to control that. Um, and so that, definitely got tied to my perfectionism as well. And so you can see how all of this can kind of start to snowball. Um, and so as we, you know, move into number five, it says you intense, intensely focus on tasks and use your accomplishment to feel valuable. And, Oh, I don't know about you, but this one hit me square, square in the gut because of the fact that I have definitely tied my worth to my productivity, what I'm able to produce, what I'm able to do. And so like, I just find tasks that I need to do. And I do them with all of, of my ability, because if I do a great task, then it is tied to my accomplishments. Right. And when people recognize my accomplishments, then I feel good about myself. Therefore, I started to equate from a very young age that the more you do, the better you'll feel because people start to recognize that because as someone who grew up in a small town, as I have not, um, I definitely was overlooked for a lot of things. Um, but I was found to be useful because I was a leader in just about every group and I could, I could handle a lot of different things. And I, you know, being the doer, um, my mom and I are both just kind of busy bodies. We, we like to be a part of things and we like to help, but it definitely, you know, took a toll on how I started to view my accomplishments as equaling my worth instead of just understanding that my worth as a human being is it. Like I, I don't need to produce, I don't need to do more in order to be seen as a whole person. So uh, let this just be a reminder that if you are one of those people who sees kind of getting tasks done and being uh, productive as an accomplishment and therefore equaling your self-worth, like you are worthy as just a human being in and of yourself. Full stop. No debate. Okay. So number six on our list, you focus on the well-being of others, but don't allow them into your inner world. Um, and this one, I, I see how it might've played out here and there. Um, but I definitely, for me, I'm the person that because I didn't have a friend group, a really strong friend group throughout high school, um, or I, at least I didn't feel that way at the time. Um, it, I, I can definitely, you know, I, sorry, I'm really kind of thinking through this, just like learning out loud right now. Um, but because I didn't feel connected as a child to others, right. Through friendship and, and being accepted. And I definitely was excluded and othered daily a lot, never felt like I fit in. I think I desperately sought that intention, right. From others. Like I, I wanted to have, um, I wanted to be close to others and I wanted others to be close to me. Um, but I also started to see that it could be used. And so as I've gotten a lot older, I've really started to distance people. And, um, this, this latest run of depression, um, has been much harder for me to speak on because I think that it has, ooh, this is going to be hard to say out loud. It has taken a bigger toll on me than I have even let out to friends, like very dark, very 
disturbing time uh, where self-harm in many different ways was happening and you know because I just wanted to seek control and, and just was so frustrated and, and just so in my own head that it was the first thing that I could think of to try to bring that control back right because I need to be in control I'm the perfectionist I get things done like this is this is just it like I don't let shit just sit around uh, but in my depression, I, I was finding it hard to even just claw back to the top, right? I just was was desperately drowning. And so, you know, I think I definitely started to shut a lot of people out because of that, because I didn't want to talk about it, um, because I'm supposed to be this life coach. I'm supposed to be this person who's motivating people. I'm supposed to be this person that's nice and, and positive and, you know, is just, out, and, and yes, I am that person. But right now I'm not right. Like I'm needing to heal. And with that healing comes, you know, something that's different. So for me, oh, <laughs> just saying that out loud is tough. And it's giving me a little bit of anxiety because not wanting to be judged. But at the same time, I also want you to know that you're not alone in that, right? Like, so just, just know that as I speak on my truth, that I want to start to normalize the acceptance of people speaking on their, on their truth. Um, so as we look at number seven on our list, you discount or dismiss hurt or sorrow and struggle with self-compassion. And that, I mean, is a, a crystal clear example of what I've been going through lately. Like, why is it that I will have all the compassion in the world for everyone who deals with depression or perfectionism or just is going through a struggling time and I, I can help them through that, but I just go back to, you know, number one, right? That that constant critical and shaming inner voice definitely ties into number seven, not having self-compassion for yourself. Like if I would give grace to someone else, why can't I give it to myself? And that's where I've been at lately. And that's what I've been trying to do is to give myself grace, give myself some space to he actually heal, to unpack a lot of the, the baggage that's been kind of, you know, hanging out in the basement that I've tried to kind of shove and push away. <laughs> and so now, now here I am trying to bring myself to a better place of self-compassion. And with number eight, you may have an, you may have an accompanying mental health issues such as an eating disorder an anxiety disorder or obsessive compulsive obsessive compulsive disorder or addiction. Um, and for me, the anxiety for sure. And that has flared up big time in the last few years. Um, so much so that I did have to start to medicate myself um, because my I was like having anxiety attacks at work. It wasn't, it used to be that anxiety attacks would only come after work when I would allow myself to just kind of sit and release my body. And then those waves of anxiety would come on. Um, and I will say th this piece, um, you know, depression is often comorbid. So you usually have something else that is accompanying that. Um, and the more that I get my anxiety under control, the better that I feel. Because anxiety uh, for me spirals upwards, like gets much bigger uh, very quickly. Um, and then it's like as soon as that anxiety spiral starts to like go zoop, and that's exactly when my depression starts to kick in because that self-critical, like shaming voice is like, geez, you can't even get your shit together enough to like keep your anxiety at bay and da da da, da like 
all those nasty things that we say to ourselves um, that I would never catch myself saying to a friend. So why can't I say that to myself? Why am I saying that to myself? Um, but yes, knowing if you have uh, these comorbid conditions that, you know, getting help and seeking, um, you know, assistance for, for both or more than one or more than two um, is definitely a good thing. So seek out professionals, talk to your doctors and see what's best for you. There's no shame in medication. I, I don't want to say that medication is the only answer, but for some of us, it's what's needed. And if you're like me, when you're kind of in the space of no health insurance and not really able to afford your medication, there are definitely exercises and things that can be done to help keep your anxiety at bay. And one of the things that I've been doing is just um, as soon as I feel that anxiety come on, I start to speak reality um, and or I'm journaling. I'm writing things down because it helps me to kind of start to see patterns. What's happening? Why is this coming up? Why is this flaring up? I've also, just a little side note, what's helped my anxiety is I've just started to declutter as much as possible. If I see something laying out that's not supposed to be there, I pick it up and I put it away. Um, it's a slow process because I notice that as my mind gets busier and my anxiety starts to really flare up, my house starts to get cluttered. And a cluttered house for me is a sign that my anxiety and depression as well, because I get into that, that frozen space of anxiety and depression where I don't want to move and I just, there's just so much to do. It's overwhelming. So I shut down. And we talked about that in a couple episodes um, previously, um, but just know that um that there is help, whether you're on medication or not, uh, there are things that can be done. And so I, I urge you um, to seek help if you do have a mental health issue that is impacting uh, your life and your ability to live a fully authentic, uh, productive, happy life. And number nine, you believe strongly in counting your blessings as the foundation of well-being. And I, anyone who knows me knows that, um, gosh, I, I think about the time that I was a beach body coach, um, which I, I loved so much because I did get to help a lot of people. Uh, there were a lot of sense of responsibilities that I had with that, but that definitely exacerbated my perfectionism and, uh, aided in me hiding my depression because at first it was that I wanted to promote this positive. I got everything together. Let's just do this. Um, yeah, like that, that false sense of positivity, um, although was helpful at the time. Um, I think had I realized that it was more, you know, I would connect better and, and with more people, the more real I became. Um, but I think we have definitely come a long way in our society lately that it's okay to talk about mental health and it's okay to address these things, um, up close and personal now. Um, rather than just kind of putting on that brave face and everything is great and I have a shiny Instagram page and my grid is laid out perfectly and no, fuck that shit. Like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. And so for me, counting your blessings, like I, I'm not leaning on positivity anymore to get me out of everything. Like it's reality and facts and truth. And I want to stay positive because that it, for me being positive is, is hopeful. It is, um, you know, wanting to continue to move forward and grow. And it is something that for me, help me to, you know, not sink so, so far into my depression that I got lost. Um, but it has been harder. It has been much harder lately. So know that it's okay to say that you rely on positivity and that things are okay. Um, but it's also okay to say, I'm not okay. 
So this is your, this is your validation um, that if, if you're needing external validation, let me just tell you, it is a-okay to be not okay. It just happens. So let's be brave enough to talk about it and let's start normalizing the conversations when people come and talk to us, right? And then number 10, you may enjoy success with a professional structure, but struggle with emotional intimacy in relationships. Um, yes. And I didn't realize how much this played out in my life. Um, I'm a great teacher. I was a great principal. I worked really, really hard, but that worked for me because there were structures, there were expectations. I knew exactly what I needed to do when I needed to do it and how I needed to do it. Relationships are messy (laughs) and there's so much trust that comes with relationships that I found it really hard to trust others because I, I, listen, I, I'm fully realizing that I've spent a lifetime in, in a perfectionist depression. And as I come to the other side of this, I'm realizing that my trust was definitely, um, it, it was kind of thrashed and trashed and used and abused for many times. And I had relationships that just you know, didn't, didn't really fill my cup and weren't what I needed. And so, um, but I struggled in those because I wanted to share myself and I wanted to have somebody to be, you know, in the relationship with me and not just dating me, if that makes any sense. And I hope it does because I have now come to the point where I do have a partner that is a huge blessing to me, uh, where we can be in this together. And, and I can talk about how I struggle emotionally Um, and how, you know, when I'm in, in the throes of a dark depression that, you know, my connection may look different. And so we practice on talking to each other and what that looks like and also giving space and knowing that sometimes we just need to process through some things. Um, but that for me, I will say that I really did struggle with emotional relationships for a long time because I never really wanted to quote unquote, give in <laughs> to a relationship. Like, right, I'm going to just be strong. I'm going to do everything myself because it's easier to be single. Um, and I get to do whatever I want. Again, it's that control factor, right? I, I get to do that. And not saying that now that I'm in a relationship that I can't do that because I definitely can. Um, but that also comes from a relationship where you feel fully supported and you are trusted and you trust the other person. Um, and I will say that it has been these quality relationships that I've built since adulthood that is built on real shit that has lasted. It has stood the test of time. Um, and you know, when you have friends who understand you and get you, um, it it means the world. And so as we have these conversations, know that it is okay. It's, it's okay to talk about this. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to have anxiety. It's okay to, to be a perfectionist. Um, you know, it's, it's when it starts to impact how, how you function on a daily, on a daily basis. Like if it's getting in your way of, of having, you know, a quality life, then we need to get help. And so know that you're not alone in this. Um, I'm still unpacking this. Uh, you might be able to hear it in my voice cause it's, it, this has been heavy. Um, but after I read that list, I just kind of went, well, shit, mm. <laughs> definitely, definitely had some, some places in my life where I could have used some professional help and, uh, yet here we are. Right. So if you are a parent and you have young children, you know, talk to them about their emotions, um, 
and, and help them to see how they can like be regulated in those emotions and make sure it's okay. Don't dismiss your kids and saying, Oh no, you're okay. It's fine. Stop crying. You're okay. And I, I've done this, believe me, I've done it. I've done it with Allie. I've, I've done it with my nieces. I've, I've done it with kids at school. And it, you know, as I catch myself, I'm like, why are you doing that? Why are we dismissing their feelings? Because this is what happens as kids. We grow up never having a space to speak about our emotions. And it just, this was not a topic of conversation at my house. And this is not to fault parents. It's not even to fault my own parents. Like, like, listen, this parenting gig is hard as fuck. Don't let anyone tell you different. But what we don't want to do is to continue on with the same practices that didn't allow for us to grow fully into our in, into our emotional selves and to really understand that. Because unfortunately, what's happened, right? Like, this is the way it's always been. We don't talk about emotions. Um, in, a, in America, we have this, like, sense of um, rugged individualism and just everything is going to be okay and everything is great and we live in the best country in the whole entire world. We're Americans. Woo! No, man, fuck all that shit. Like, we live in a world that is complex and there are lots of things going on and there are complex emotions that we feel as human beings. So don't let anyone spin you with this fucking bullshit about how you always have to look on the bright side and, you know, there's always something good that's going to come. No, sometimes there are situations that are just really shitty and they're going to turn out not the way that we want them to, but it's going to turn out the way that it's supposed to. And sometimes it's going to feel great and sometimes it's not. And let's just be okay with that. Let's be okay that depression exists. Let's also be okay with helping people to find the, the assistance and help that they need and not shame them for it, right? We sit here and we talk about how we want to take care of our veterans, but are you making sure that they have health care? Quality health care that's accessible when they need it to deal with their PTSD. I mean, imagine that you go over to, and, and I'm thinking especially with these veterans from Afghan, from Afghanistan, right? Like, do you mean Christmas? to go over to fight a war that really had no purpose, no meaning. And then you're coming back over and, and the atrocities that happened in the name of a forever war, right? Let, or let's just think about kids who, who grow up in neighborhoods where they hear gunshots outside their house. What is that like? What is it like to see your friend shot down? Like I think about the kids that I've had to bury as a principal like going to their funerals and, and looking out at the crowd and seeing all of their friends. What are we doing to normalize mental health for them? Like, have we just normalized, you know, that if, if you live over there, you, you have to deal with, with life that way. And if you live in a certain part of town, you get to have all the access to everything that you need. Right. And then on the flip side of that, let's also start to normalize conversations for, for kids that may have access to all those resources. I know that um, my therapist shared that she would see a ton of kids from some of the quote unquote premier high schools in town. And those premier high schools come with some very unrealistic expectations that we put on kids for the name of, for, for just the sake of what? That we're productive? Like, look at what we've been able to do. Look at my test scores. But are we really caring about what human beings are coming out of these schools? And so, you know, perfectionism and the expectations that you be perfect can come into play as well. And that is trauma in and of itself. Perfectionism can also be a byproduct of trauma. So no matter whether you live in, I, I live in Kansas City, 
And so we have a really wealthy part of town and we have, you know, an, an area that is lower income and, and you can definitely tell the difference. But what we want to keep in mind is that perfectionism and depression can happen to anyone at any time. And you may have just two ends of the spectrum when we're looking at trauma, right? Like we have trauma that, that stems from, from kind of those high expectations, but there's also trauma from no, or like low to no expectations. So a lot that we can unpack and, um, and I'm taking notes <laughs> right now, like as I'm, you know, thinking and processing through this for today, because I, I want to hit on that, that piece, but just know that if you're a parent right now, start normalizing conversations about how your kids are feeling and talk about emotions so that they know what emotions are, what they feel like, what your body feels like, what is the physiological part of your body that starts to be triggered when you have these different emotions. Because the more that kids know about their emotions, the better they they will be able to regulate those emotions and not give in to them, right? So I think that might be our next episode is, is how to help kids start to process through emotions um, in an appropriate way so that we don't grow up to be adults that struggle with connection and hearing the word no and just being in relationship with each other. So there, there's a lot that can be, that can be done with just knowing what emotions are, but there's even more that can be done with knowing that if you are at a place where depression has, has crept up and your emotions are like all out of whack and not sure what to do, you can't get help. So folks know that you are loved and you are honored and you are seen and that your worth is not tied to your productivity. It is not tied to what you can accomplish. Your worth is tied to you as a human being, period. Your humanity is not up for debate. That's it. So today's homework is going to be about just that inner reflection. Where have you seen these characteristics show up for you? Are they showing up for you? And and where where do you feel like maybe you might need to seek that outside help? So know that, that it's definitely okay to talk about it. If you need to reach out, find me, talk to me. You're not alone and you're never alone. Just know that you can reach out. This is an act of bravery and an act of courage, but I believe in you. We can do this together. Don't suffer alone. Reach out, talk to friends, family, professionals, whatever it takes, because you are worthy. Folks, thank you for showing up today. Thank you for allowing me to share some of my learning journey as I unpack my own depression, um, my own perfectionism, and what I'm going to do about that because this is the part of life that I'm enjoying the most is the growth and the, the ownership of myself. And that is what I hope uh, that this can start to bring for you is you know that sense of control where we can take back uh, and be autonomous in making decisions for ourselves and not letting our emotions kind of take over and make decisions for us. So thank you for being here. Hope you have a wonderful week. Make it a great day or not. The choice is yours. The records I listen to they don't sound like the same old shit that you used to The clothes I wear, you might not be up on it yet Y'all just ain't up on it yet, yeah
Shit that I'm on, on the same shit that I'm on. Oh, with the eye. 